Hello, welcome to, what are we tonight? <laughs> We're Goth and Bougie, I was going to say, because I'm a cunt. <laughs> Goth and Bougie Goth podcast, and bougie. episode 43. I'm going to have to take off this bracelet, it's very jingly. Do you hear that? Oh, usually yeah, I'm the, oh, it's super cute, I like it. It, I had to change my necklace because my bat one broke. Uh, her bat's broke. She had the cutest bat necklace. And you would know what we're talking about if you were a patron watching us live on Patreon because it's our live show yes, tonight. Yes, So you guys are missing out again because you're not a fucking patron. Look, it on matches Patreon. my earrings. I saw this. Those are so cute. So, oh, my gosh. I'm so excited for next week. We're going to be so cute and witchy. And just, oh, yes. So this is the prelude to our... Um, New Orleans trip, Gotham Bougie World Tour, modified to be New Orleans only because the cruise lines canceled our shit. But um, and it's COVID fine. has fucked up. It's everything. fine. We're fine. I can't get it off. Oh, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boom. Oh, um, that's weird. Yeah, no. If you can't do it, that's fine. Oh, I can do it. Just I can get it off. Do you need to find the hole? Spit on it. The problem is you don't have it in the hole, Belle. I know I don't. That's the problem, Belle. I like it like that. You don't have it in the <laughs> hole. <laughs> That's the problem. Oh, my gosh. She has this really cute bracelet on, guys, that are listening and not watching. Oh, look. I just attached it. It's... it's, it's <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> she took it off. You had a little bit of problems, but... We're fine. It's, it's fine. Um, so, yes. Episode 43. Yes. Serial um, killer. Serial killer? I'm going... You're a serial killer. We are going to be talking about the Axeman of New Orleans. And I'm so excited about this. So that we can get excited and ready for our New Orleans episode. I don't think I have to write anything down. It's going to be a wild and crazy time. Yeah, so next week, guys, make sure you tune in and don't miss out because we are going to be on location in New Orleans. We are going to um, record there. Uh, it's going to be... Can we go ahead and say what it is? What, what Our it? patrons, yes, definitely deserve to hear what... Yes. Yeah, so it's going to be the Haunted Hotels of New Orleans, and we're going to do like a walking tour led by me. Oh, yeah. Um, to some of the different uh, haunted hotels in the French Quarter. I know there's a lot of haunted hotels in New Orleans proper, but given the fact that we are not going to have a car and we're going to be flying in, we are just going to be doing the French yes. Quarter. I it's an, I could told you I'm just going to have a good time. Like so last night I told you I went to axe throwing and bowling with Daniel and that sound I love it. That was fun. I it was it. fun no, I kept saying it's broken to the worker because my axe went stick. I'm like it's broken. Come fix it. So I finally like we switched and I started like hitting it. So you did get it? Yes. I Robert hit every single fucking one dead on. I'm like like a gimp. I'm like, my um, my Viking ancestors would be so disappointed because <laughs> I have Viking in my ancestry, so like they'd be so disappointed in Did me. Did you see my updated ancestry? I looked at some, but I didn't really... 55% Scottish. I'm not surprised. But isn't Robert Scottish too? Partially, yes. He's more Irish. Um, maybe like this. <laughs> we, we actually, when we were looking up our tree and going backwards... Uh-huh. Um, we were very close. We had some oh. some people who married each other, but it was like a, hundred, a couple hundred years ago. So by now, I'm sure all Kissing the cousins. the incest has. So I showed Daniel this TikTok, and I'll show you later. But it's a girl, and she's like she's with her friends, and it's so us when we go out. The girl literally is so drunk she's falling into a bush. <laughs> he says that's gonna be you, and Belle's gonna be laughing, and I'm like pretty much. That's not gonna be us. It has been us. It has been us. <laughs> I told him I sat on the dance floor. <laughs> sat, yes. 
So he said he likes her picture. So one of my daughter's friends, when she was at Stephen F. Austin, painted this. It's hand-painted. He painted this and gave it to her, and I stole it. You so. can see that? You can see what it says there? Yes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It says... She cheated. I didn't cheat. <laughs> I believe and that. bowling. I, I believe that. I so you went bowling with um a friend. Yes. And you sent me some photos and I kept waiting for you to send me video of everyone breaking out into song. They didn't break out a song. They didn't I said tonight we bowl. And so I, Did he get it? Yeah, he got it. Okay. And I made him make a TikTok of me with the sound. Like <laughs> we're gonna bowl. Is that what you tonight? sent me? Yes. I didn't have the sound on. No wonder it didn't make sense to me. That's why it didn't make sense to you. Okay, Mel and I are huge fans of Grease. It goes back to our um, high school days. Yeah. When we would have, you know, our girls' slumber parties and we this would... This was Grease 2. Yeah, we mainly yeah. did Grease 1. Yeah. But Grease 2 was still awfully fun. <laughs> <laughs> and we would, uh, and we all would of us, get up and, <laughs> and, and sing and dance to Grease Lightning and all the songs and everything. So that was... Uh, yeah. So we're huge fans of Grease, so that's, you should have wore your pink ladies jacket. Oh, I know. I said that once I got there. And there was really, you know, I'm going to say, like, I was really impressed at how they had it set up. We went to shenanigans in Rockwall. And, you mean COVID City? No. For real, like, they had, okay, like, here's the bench, like, you sit on, like, the, t- you've been to shenanigans, right? Um, no, but I can imagine okay. in my head. So, like, where you're bowl and they have, like, the seats you sit on, they have, like, couches, like, little couch things. And then over here's a couch, and they have like a coffee table looking thing here in the middle that um, they put the food on stuff. Did you so. bring your own Clorox wipes? Let me finish. In the middle of that coffee table, they literally had plexiglass all the way up. So okay. we were sitting on the other side, and that lane couldn't breathe on you or whatever. And then in between, like the couch here and the couches were back to back. On the next one, they had plexiglass in front of you and behind you. Okay. Like it was so like. I could do that. Yeah. Like, we took our masks off just and in when that area. And when you were in area, area, you could take a mask off. And then off. when we went bowling, like, there was no one on the lanes, bes- like, two lanes beside us. There was right. nobody on those lanes. And it wasn't busy because it was a Monday night. So, um, and even the axe throwing, like, we were the only ones in there. Yeah. Nobody else was in there because it was a Monday night. Right, right. And we ate, we ordered food and we ate there and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it was, like, not, I didn't feel, like, unsafe. I feel like you're very much behind me. You need to scoot Am up. I be- scoot up some. I, I thought you liked it. I like feel like that. I'm turning. I thought you liked me. Mel's got jokes tonight too. <laughs> that poor um, guy last night, the egg throwing. I'm like, it's broken. It's broken. I said, I do a serial killer podcast, and it's broken. You just want me using the axes. He's ooh, like, we're talking oh. about axemen, and look, she has an axe. I know. I like Super um, exciting. Anything else fun happen? Um, I mean, I work. Two jobs, not really. I just work all the time. Did you see that I lost another fish? Yes, I saw your quarter quail. You lost a PETA? No, no it should have been PETA. Hamish. We lost Hamish. Hamish. Should have been PETA. Always should have been PETA. PETA Why? sucks. I like PETA. No. PETA's it's like kind of whiny, though. PETA's like the Frodo <laughs> of Hunger Games. Frodo sucked, too. <laughs> yeah, he's just whiny. I don't know. <laughs> so it was pretty Yeah, yeah. We sucked. We might burn down my candles, man. Um, so anything so, else fun? Let me so think. Pretty. What happened with your week? Nothing much. It's a very, very busy week for me at work. So I've just been going and going. Haven't had much time. I did get my serial killer research done, so that's good. 
Yeah, yeah I did mine last night yeah. at 10 o'clock for this episode two-way two um, way that we're recording tonight. I have a shout-out. Oh. Yeah, I know I don't often have shout-outs because I'm very, don't, I don't have friends. You do have friends. Um, but it's somebody on Instagram, on my new his, Instagram, because, you know, I, I said I right? created a new Instagram. And With all your beautiful pictures. Yes. Um, but uh, he... Uh, he said he listened to our podcast and he liked it. Oh, so awesome. This, he's Hi. on Instagram. It's, his name is Misfit Nightmare. So, hello. Hello, Misfit hey, Nightmare. Friend. He's my new friend. And his name is Denzel. I can't I think can't, it. I, that uh, might not be his real name. I don't know. Denzel? Denzel. Oh, like Denzel Washington. Yes. But I don't know. It could be a fake name. Okay. I have to skip back some because I can't cross my legs. My okay. back's hurting. Um, but yes, <laughs> thanks for listening. Hopefully we can keep you entertained with our shenanigans. Um, we always have shenanigans. Yeah. Definitely New Orleans, we're going to have some fucking shenanigans. Because when we get together, we get fucking wild as hell. <laughs> Even with the bars closed. Even with the bars closed. <laughs> no way. Oh my so God. I'm taking, so you guys, I'm taking Mel on a ghost hunt. And um, this is going to be the best shit ever. I'm gonna be so. I'm gonna have sticks <laughs> clicking them to keep them away. <laughs> what is that to? What is that? I've never heard of that. I don't know. It makes me feel better. Like like two sticks like this. <laughs> yes. What the fuck is that? Because if you watch um, Parent Trap, the new one that has Lindsay Lohan, when they take the new like girl that's the lady that's dating yeah, like the dad, yeah, yeah. and they're in the woods, they're like you click the sticks together oh and keep God. bears away. You're, you're stupid. <laughs> My God, do not embarrass me. I will walk away from you. I'll be like, I do not know her. No, that's not true. No, that's I would never so do that. Not true. We're, we're just gonna have a really good time. We are gonna tell everyone that we're sister wives, though. <laughs> go with it. We just gotta go with the whole story. I just need to make us a shirt because we're like sister wife. I told like, him. I told Daniel last night. He's like, I'm surprised this? you don't have shirts already that say sister. I'm wives. surprised too because you're usually right on top of that shit. I just haven't had time to like do anything. And I gotta. People, people be like, you're really sister wives? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> in Texas, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Um. So yeah, I don't have any other updates. I'm super excited about New Orleans. Jasper, don't eat that. Eating shit off the floor. He's eating literal shit. I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have shit on my floor. God. Well, he could have just pooped on accident. No, he just. He's he, a dog. He likes to sniff around. And, <laughs> He doesn't know he's not a trash dog. Oh. Um, he's not yeah, a trash dog. I've just been trying to plan our trip to New Orleans since I am tour guide du jour for this. Yes, you are. Because I've, be I've only been that one time with my mom, like I said, to this the one club. time. Because it's one time. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fun. It's going to be fun. I, I'm, ex- I'm super excited. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait because, like, every day, like, I get to be bougie every day and dress super cute and fun mm-hmm. and very witchy, bougie, and witchy. we're going to take lots of photos, so we have some photos to yes. put out there. So it's going to be good times. Um, It'll be one for the books, hopefully. And we just pray none of us end up in the hospital. <laughs> Why would we end up in a hospital? Because I'm so damn clumsy. I know? fall every time I go to New Orleans. Don't fall because I can't help you. I'm going to laugh. <laughs> People are be helping you and be like, I, I don't know. Got, Is she already, okay? I don't already know. Broke, already broke one bone this year, so we're done with that. Um, okay, so I guess we can get right into our story. Because Let's get into this I don't story. Think, are you going to color? I am going to color. What, gonna, are you, what are you going to color? I don't know. Let me find something to color. Let's see. Who, pick a card. Any, pick a color. Um, oh, is that angel wings? Go back. Who was that? Let's see. I see. H.H. Holmes, that was, it was a good story. 
He and said Kim Kim. That's his little one. You too. wanted to do HH Holmes, you said this. I didn't quite know. Ooh. It's got this like one, a, no, see, look, it's wings. The Angel of Death, Harold Shipman. Shipman. So this one has like a porn stash. Herbert <laughs> Mullen. Wow, wow. Ooh, he's got brains. I wonder if he ate the brains. I thought it was flowers. No, that's totally a brain. Mm, that's, <laughs> yeah. Those are brains. It says 13 victims. Are you going to color him? You guys don't know what we're talking about. Um, no, I don't like So, them. yeah, guys, we're also thinking of doing, like, a little bit of a promotion um, to where you could win one of these and color along with us. Those of you that are listening, it's our um, serial killer coloring book. Yes. So, we're thinking, we're trying to nail down the specifics, what we think that if... It's going to be a contest. If you share and rate. But, you know, not all the platforms have a rating capability. Right. But we would definitely want... All of them that do have a rating capability, anyone can get on Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast. Because so it's even a, if they don't listen on Apple, go to Apple and right, rate it. Because our, the podcast app is actually already on your, your iPhone. You don't okay. have to download it. Like, it's already on there. Now some people don't have iPhones. If you don't have an iPhone, then I don't know what to tell you. Because that's what There's most Spotify. people have. There's Spotify. But it doesn't have... Um, but you can go to Google, too, and probably maybe leave us a Google review there. You can go to Facebook and leave us a rating on or Facebook, at least share on our it. Facebook I mean, page as well. What we'll do is if you do something to promote us, other than... I mean, we really need those ratings. But if you do something to promote us, then you'll be put yeah. into a drawing to win a Gotham Bougie mystery kit, a uh, gift kit kind of thing, which it would have the serial killer coloring book in it. And some really cool other things. Yes. Maybe an autographed picture. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, so, so for sure. I think that's all of our intro this week. Um, let's get talking about Axeman of New Orleans. He was okay. never caught, by the way. How about Rodney Alcala, the dating game killer? How does that let's sound? move this so you can access the pencil. So I'm going to rip it out. Do you need the colors? I mean, do you need the markers? Yes. I use both. They're both ways? Because it's bougie. <laughs> yes, I like it both ways. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, so here's your markers, my dear. Do I need gum? I don't know. Do you need gum? Make sure you bring this for the flight. Oh, I always have gum. Okay. I'll go get some more. <coughs> I have a full one of these. But. Okay, so let's talk about the Axeman of New Orleans. So, he was actually fe- featured in American Horror Story Coven. They taught... He was... Um, they fictitionalized <gasps> ah, him quite a bit. He was like a musician, wasn't he, in the show? Yes, and he was friends with... Um, That's where I've heard him from. Watch your face, Jessica Lang, the Supreme. Okay. Mm-hmm. But... All like, that, they were have, like they were sleeping together. Yes. Okay. But everything in that, in that, that show was completely made up. Because he right. didn't have any information about him whatsoever. So this was... For about a year, or actually for over a year, from May 1918 to October of 1919. Hold on, let me get my gum chewed up. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm sure it sounds really attractive, too. It's fine. Um, the city of New Orleans was just in a panic over a roaming serial killer that they dubbed Axeman. So the first killing occurred on May 23rd, 1918. Mr. Joseph Maggio was an Italian grocer, and it seemed to be um, that whoever this was that was doing these attacks really concentrated uh, their attacks on Italian Italian, Italian people? people in the city. Hmm. So, I mean, nowadays that probably would be classified as I hear like music. A hate crime. You hear music right now? Do you hear it? No. 
It's like somebody next to you has music going. Okay, go ahead. Carry on. You know, that's the first sign of dementia. I'm sure. No, I'm kidding. It doesn't surprise um, me. Joseph <laughs> Maggio, who's an Italian grocer, and his wife, Catherine Maggio, they were attacked while sleeping in their home at the corner of Upper Line and Magnolia Streets, where they operated a bar room and a grocery store. The killer broke into the home and then proceeded to cut the couple's throats with a straight razor. Oh. Catherine's throat was cut so deeply that her head was nearly severed from her shoulders. Oh, dang. Upon leaving, the t- attacker also bashed in their heads with an axe. Maybe to conceal, like, they, they, at this time they didn't know why, what the axe had to do with it. Because he already cut their throats with a razor. Why so also why do an hit them with an axe, mm. right? They thought maybe they were trying to conceal the fact that their throats were cut. So Joseph actually survived the attack, but he did die minutes later after he was discovered by his brothers, Jake and Andrew Maggio. And then Catherine died prior to the brothers getting there. So in the apartment, law enforcement agents, they found bloody clothes of the murderer. So it seems that he had changed his clothes to put on a pair of clean clothes before he left. So his bloody clothes were still there. A complete search of the premises that wasn't completed by by the police at that time. But later on, the bloody razor was found on the lawn of a neighboring property. Police ruled out robbery as the motivation for the tax because all their money and valuables were left in plain sight and not stolen. So they knew that it wasn't just, you know, trying to rob them. And the razor used to kill the couple was found to belong to Andrew Maggio, the brother. Um, The brother of, he had a barber shop. And so the killer must have found this straight razor. So after they did some interrogation and questioning of people in the area, um, they didn't try to frame like the brother saying it was him because they found that at. Well, yeah, kind of. So what happened was his employee, a was. man by the name of Esteban Torres, told police that Andrew had removed the razor from his shop two days ago, two days prior to the murder, explaining that he had wanted to have a nick in it honed from the blade. So he wanted to have it sharpened so that nick would that nick would be sharpened out. Joseph Maggio, the man who was killed, he lived in the adjoining apartment to his brother's residence, um, discovered the slain brother and sister-in-law, I'm sorry, roughly two hours after the gruesome attacks had occurred. He had heard strange groaning noises through the wall. Joseph um, blamed his, I don't think this, his name was Joseph, I think this is Andrew, not Joseph, because Joseph was this guy who was killed, wasn't it? Yeah. Sorry. I fucked up on my notes. It's fine. Andrew lived in the adjoining apartment of Joseph, who was killed. Andrew says that he didn't hear the attacks happening because he was drunk and had just come home that night after a celebration because he was leaving to join the army. Okay. So, because the police were like, you didn't hear this attack happening next door? But he said he was too drunk and he didn't hear it. So, he became the police chief's prime suspect in the crime. At first, but then he was released after investigators were unable to break down his statement. So, he wasn't really the one who did it. But, I mean, it did seem at that time that he was, like, the key suspect. Right, because, that's what I would think, yeah. too, because it came, he brought it home and it came from his shop. So, right. that's what I was wondering. Okay. And there was some other reports of an unknown man who was <clears throat> seen lurking near the residence prior to the murders. Right. So, then the police had no idea who had done this. They, they kind of were dead. Then about a month later, on June 27, 1918, Louis Bessumer and his mistress, Harriet Lowe, 
were attacked in the early morning hours in the, in the quarters at the back of his grocery store. Again, immigrant grocer. Okay. Um, Lewis was struck with, a, struck with a hatchet above his right temple, which resulted in a possible skull fracture, and Harriet was hacked over the left ear and found unconscious when the police arrived at the scene. The couple was discovered shortly after 7 a.m. on the morning of the attack by a man named John Zanka, and he was the driver of the bakery wagon who had come to the grocery store in order to make his delivery of his normal baked goods. So he found both Lewis and Harriet in a puddle of their own blood, both bleeding from their heads. The axe, which had actually belonged to Lewis himself, and that that has happened in most of these attacks, the axe actually was one of the victim's own belongings. So it's not like he carried an axe around. He would, like, find it and then... Yeah, I mean, you would think at the time... He split wood and stuff. Yeah, the, the time frame that this was, everyone had an axe because it's... I mean, now not everyone has an axe, like but... Like Carol Baskin? Well, Whacked him. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. God damn it, I lost my place. <laughs> this is what happens. Um, the axe had belonged to Lewis himself, and it was found in the bathroom of the apartment. So Lewis later stated to police that he had been sleeping when he was bashed in with the hatchet. And almost immediately, police arrested a potential suspect. His name was also Lewis... Obicon. He was a 41-year-old African-American man who had been employed in Lewis's store just a week before the attack. No evidence existed which could have proved the man guilty, yet police arrested him nonetheless because he was black, I'm sure. That's that, that, I'm sure. They, um, said... Are the, you sure? I'm positive. Okay. Yeah. Um, police arrested him stating that Obicon had offered conflicting accounts of his whereabouts on the morning of the attack. Shortly after the attempted murder, Harriet stated that she remembered, no, this was the mistress who was also attacked. She remembered having been attacked by a mulatto man, yet her statement was discounted by police due to her dis, dis, her crazy state because her right, right. Shock, she's like in shock. Right. Uh, robbery was said to have been the only possible explanation for the attack. She had no money or valuables removed from the couple's home. It's like they could not imagine that there could be this crazy man out there attacking people right. just to attack people. Um, so they thought, well, it had to be robbery. What else? Why else would somebody be attacking these people? But and nothing. Then? And then. But nothing was taken of value. So Obicon was released later as the police were unable to gather any evidence to hold him accountable for the crimes. Media attention soon, though, turned to Louis Bessemer himself. Oh. Dogs barking. As a series of letters were written in German, Russian, and Yiddish were discovered in a trunk of his home. Um, police suspected that Louis was a German spy, and government officials began a full investigation of his potential espionage. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Did you see the new? They wanted to be the new, um, the new James Bond. No, who? Uh, Jason Tom, Momoa. Tom Hardy. Oh, from Peaky Blinders. I'll have to look him up. He's hot. Okay. Okay. Um, where was I? <laughs> Weeks later. After going in and out of consciousness, Harriet Lowe told the police that she thought that Lewis was in fact a German spy. Also. Bitches. Bitches always turn on you. Like, don't ever trust these bitches. 
Which no let, evidence. She just no, says, yeah. I just says, think he's a German spy. He's probably a German spy. You know. And that led to his immediate arrest. So Harriet became then the center of attention in a media circus because she would continually make scandalous and often false statements relating to both the attacks and the character of Louis Bessemer, some of which are described in the preceding description what we already talked about. Um, the newspaper, the Times Picayune, Mm-hmm. sensationalized Harriet and her outspoken nature upon discovering that she was not the wife of Lewis, but his mistress. So that created this whole new media frenzy because she was a mistress. And it actually got more attention than the crime itself, wow. was that he was found with his mistress and not his wife. Not the fact that they were... Having an affair and... Yeah, not the fact that they were hatched, you know, attacked with a fucking hatchet. Um... So a charity hospital source discovered the scandal when, so at first it didn't, the, the media didn't know that it was his mistress, but um, Lewis had asked to be directed to the room of Mrs. Harriet Lowe, and that's when they found out that she was the mistress and not the wife. So Lewis's legal wife arrived in from Cincinnati in the days immediately following the discovery, and that further inflamed the ongoing drama because now his wife is there showing up at the hospital where his mistress is. So Harriet further gained media attention as she repeatedly made statements which voiced her dislike of the New Orleans police chief as well as her reluctance to comply with police questioning. Hmm. After the truth of her marital status was revealed publicly, Harriet told reporters from the Times-Picayune that she would no longer aid the police in their investigation as she suspected... Hey, bitch got caught. Yeah, she was like, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, having <laughs> I ain't doing nothing. As she suspected that it had been Chief Mooney... Oh, now she's playing. ...who first informed the press of the scandal. Yeah, she thought that Chief Mooney had um, like leaked to the press that she was a mistress and not a wife and that it was his fault... So she was mad at him and wasn't going to help anymore. She's mad at the chief (laughs) for having an affair that she knew was wrong Uh with a married man. She's mad at the chief for telling the press that she she... was a mistress. When he didn't actually do it, he didn't actually tell the press. Um, And I guess it didn't even bother her that they were actually trying to find the people or whoever it was to try to fucking kill her. But um, she does need a day. Okay, carry on. So, despite the scandal and her delirious statements, which suggested that he was a spy, she returned to the home she shared with him weeks after the attack. One side of her face was partially paralyzed due to the severity of the attack. She did die August 5th, 1918, just two days after the doctors performed surgery in an effort to repair her partially paralyzed face. Mm. So, Lewis actually had been arrested at that, during that, all that going on because they didn't, she actually then, sorry, I left this out of the story because it wasn't in my notes because uh, I just know. Um, she accused Lewis of doing it. She said, well, maybe then he did it and it's his fault. So they actually arrested Lewis, who was also one of the victims of the attack. But when she died and what? they decided they did went ahead and released him because there was some um, scandal within the investigation um, oh, imagine that. Yeah, two lead investigators on the case were demoted due to unacceptable police work. So there's this this whole case with wow. them specifically was just a shit show, kind of like our show on uh-huh. most nights. Um, so they, the police unfortunately didn't get a lot to go on with this 
this crime because of all the drama and all of the, the the rumors and everything that people were starting that she was saying all all of that. So, um unfortunately though, Lewis did serve 9 months in prison nine for this months. attack before he was acquitted on May 1st, 1919 after a 10-minute jury deliberation. So, he was attacked and then he had to do time for this for being attacked. Yeah, because she said it was him. Um, well, she died anyway, so. So then the next attack. That's what you get, bitch. <laughs> right. The next attack, so that's um, two attacks so far. So the next attack occurred in the early evening hours of August 5th, 1918. There was um, a young woman by the name of Anna Schneider. She was 28 years old, and she was eight months pregnant. Aww. Um, she lived on Elmira Street, and she awoke to find a dark figure standing over her. Oh. And then she was bashed in the face repeatedly. Oh. Her scalp had been cut open, and her face was completely covered in blood. Mrs. Schneider was discovered. That's hard to say. Mrs. Schneider. Now, listen. If you're a serial killer and you're listening to our show, just to, like, get up to date on serial killers <laughs> or whatever. They always find you. I'm going to tell you right now, like, if you come try to kill me... Please don't bash my face in. I already had this conversation. Not the face. I want to be pretty. I want to die pretty. Like Just not the face. Just not the face. Like, you can bash me anywhere else, but I just want my face to be pretty. Okay, carry on. She said you can bash her anywhere else. <laughs> That's what she said. That is what I said. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Schneider was discovered after midnight by her husband, Ed, as he was returning home late from work. Anna claimed that she remembered nothing of the attack, and she actually ended up giving birth to a healthy baby girl two days after the incident. Her husband told police that nothing was stolen from the home besides six or seven dollars that had been in his wallet. But you got to think, this was 1918. Six or seven dollars is a lot. Right? That was a lot. Shit, sometimes it's a lot now. It's um, shit. The windows and doors of the apartment appear to have not been forced open. And authorities came to the conclusion that the woman was most likely attacked with a lamp that had been found on a nearby table. Um, a gentleman by the name of James Gleason, who police said was an ex-convict, was arrested shortly after Anna was found. Gleason was later released due to a complete lack of evidence and stated that he originally ran from authorities because he had so often been arrested. Well, okay, I get that. Right. Lead investigators began to publicly speculate that the attack was related to the previous incidents involving Bessemer and Maggio. So this is when they're starting to connect it all. Hmm. So this, the accident in New Orleans is considered a serial killer because of the number of people that died. Right. But a lot of them actually did not die. They survived the attack, but it's still... But like, they're surviving the attack was so like crippling. Like, they mm -hmm. still had... I don't know. I feel like if I... I, I wouldn't want to be paralyzed. No. I'm bashing the face, right? Um, so, the next attack actually occurred just a few days later on August 10th, 1918. Joseph Romano, who is an elderly man living with his two nieces, Pauline and Mary Bruno. Pauline and Mary awoke to the sound of commotion in the adjoining room where their uncle was Commotion resided. in the Commotion. Ocean. What's all this commotion? Keep it down, y'all. Um, upon entering the room, the sisters discovered that their uncle had taken a serious blow to the head, which resulted in two open cuts. The assailant was fleeing the scene as they went, came, got into the room, yet the girls were able to distinguish that he was dark-skinned, heavy-set, and he wore a dark suit and slouched hat. Joseph, although he was seriously injured, was able to walk to the ambulance once it arrived, 
but he did die two days later due to severe head trauma. The home had been ransacked, yet no items were stolen. Authorities found a bloody axe in the backyard and discovered that a panel on the back door had been chiseled away. Mm. The Romano murder created a state of extreme chaos in the city, residents living in constant fear of the axe man attacks. Police received a slew of reports in which citizens claimed to have seen an axe man lurking in New Orleans neighborhoods. So, I mean, just like often occurs in these stories, I mean, it's just hysteria. People just go crazy and they start seeing... Everything they see is an axe man. So they start, you know, creating... Unfortunately, it creates a lot of um, confusion for the police because they don't know if these stories and these reports are true or accurate. Right, or people are just, like, exaggerating and they're just, like, paranoid. Right, right. So um, a few men even called to report that they had found axes in their backyards as if, you know, somebody... Yeah. Um, Joseph D'Antonio who was a then-retired Italian direct detective, excuse me, he made public statements in which he hypothesized that the man who had committed the murders was the same man who had killed several individuals in 1911. This was that connection. Remember we said right. that the Clementine Barnabet murders, they think that maybe somehow it was either her doing those murders mm, or that murder or doing yeah. these, her, the murder that she was accused of. So the retired detective cited similarities in the manner by which the two sets of homicides had been committed and had reason to assume that they had been conducted by the same individual. So Detective D'Antonio described the potential killer. And so this was, you got to think, this was 1918. They didn't have uh, DNA, uh, like the FBI profilers. Right, right. And, you know, and, but this guy basically came up with a profile on his own, and he said that this potential killer, he would be an individual of dual personalities who killed without motive. He said this type of individual could very likely have been a normal law-abiding citizen who is often overcome by an overwhelming desire to kill. He later went on to describe the killer as a real-life Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Hmm. Other clues of the crime were similar to the previous ones, such as the scenes were often ransacked, but nothing so it's like was taken. Sounds like or something, maybe. Yeah, that's what they're thinking. That, but it it fits in with people now that we know that commit these kind of crimes. Right. They don't do it for money. They're not trying they to do, rob somebody. They do it because they they lack. They that, lack that crime. Whatever right. it is they're doing, whether but they lack that empathy and they lack that one emotion of feeling like caring right. anything. Mm-hmm. They're just they're sociopaths. Exactly. So, um, the scenes were often ransacked, but nothing was stolen, like we already said, and the killer used the owner's own hatchets and blades, usually, and that the panels of doors or windows were chiseled away to gain entry. So, they would be called hatchet face, then. <laughs> <laughs> Cry, baby. Please, Mr. Taylor. Won't I haven't seen that movie in so long. Go free. Let him go. Let him if go. you have not seen Cry, baby... You need to see Crybaby. Um, and that also the majority of the victims were Italian. So um, I think this is a good place to take a little quick break. That way we can finish. Break a break. Break a break. A break. And I know I've not redone the damn anchor Shh. ad. Well, maybe we can do it when we're in New Orleans. I'm going to need you to send me a reminder about that. <laughs> I haven't even sent the fucking reminder to like pre-register for the fucking flight still. <laughs> to check in. Jesus. All right, guys, y'all stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and we'll wrap up the story of the Axemen of New Orleans. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 
Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for listening to that outdated Anchor ad. It's not outdated. It's just very repetitive. It's been played for Season 43 one. episodes now. 42. 42. This, I thought this was episode 43. Fuck, I don't know what episode it is anymore. I've lost count. What episode is Anyway, it? if they actually listen to it, they've listened 43. to it. 43. 43. Yes, 43 fucking times. Ah, they're fine. They're fine. We're fine. Um, We're so, yes, fine. picking back up with the Axeman of New Orleans. Um, where was I? I don't know. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you said again he sure. killed mostly Italians. Yes. Good good job. I'm proud of you. So, um, because of those murders, the police and all these reports and everyone just uh, in a frenzy and a panic, oh everyone's seeing axes floating down the street and shit, but no, not really. Um the police axes were, were floating down <laughs> the street. Okay. The police were inundated that's a good word, inundated, with reports from citizens claiming to have seen the axe man lurking in neighborhoods, axe chisels found in backyards, doors and windows that appear to have been tampered with. People began to carry loaded shotguns, just walking down the street in oh. old New Orleans with a loaded shotgun. And family members took turns watching over their families at night. One report alleged the axe man was masquerading as a woman. And another, that he had been seen leaping over a back fence. So, I mean, just the, the stories were flying because everyone was just flipping out so the people were afraid they were determined to protect themselves and they it bordered on panic um perhaps the heat generated by that terror was somehow transferred to the axeman as the killings and assaults stopped suddenly as quickly as they started over the next months the fear kind of fell to the wayside and neighborhoods returned to their normal activity until Dun, like, we're, dun. like we're hoping it's going to fucking happen after COVID? Yes. Some normal activity? It's going to just miraculously go away. Don't Supposed you know? Supposed to. That's what he said. Um, so until March 10th of 1919, when the Axeman struck again, oh. it was murder. murder. <laughs> Charles Cortamiglia... That's a good name. Cortamiglia. You like all these words tonight. It's a good word. It's a good name. <laughs> There's something in the brain like that word. Miglia. Iglia. Something like that. Okay. Amiglia. Anyway. He was an immigrant and grocer who lived with his wife, Rosie, and two-year-old daughter, Mary. They were Italian, huh? Yes. Okay. Um, they were in the town of Gretna. So, Gretna is... Um, Across the Mississippi, awesome. so whenever you take the ferry to go across the Mississippi out of the take port, the ferry, the ferry, the ferry out of her back and she flies. It takes you over to Gretna. I don't recommend taking the last ferry over to Gretna because that happened to me and my coven, and uh, we got stuck on the other side of the Mississippi and we did not have a way back. And yes, <laughs> so side story, side story with Belle. There's a sign that says when the last ferry is. And so it said the last ferry was like 9.15. Uh-huh. So we got on the one right before that mm-hmm. just to ride it over and come back. Right. Well, we get on it. You know, we're having a good time. It's great. Beautiful sea in New Orleans, you know, at night. And then we get to the other side and they're like, this is the last ferry. There's no ferry. And we're like, so it's me, my dad, my husband, and Cheyenne. And we're like, what the fuck? Had no money. This is our last night in New Orleans. I had no more money. 
There was no Uber at the time. Couldn't take a fucking taxi. I'm like, how are we supposed to get back? The captain was like, oh, no. People on the boat, the workers were like, oh, no. Was the ferry not going back? It was it? not going back. So, we're flipping out. Robert's cussing. <laughs> I can Robert's Robert. like, how would you like it? You're fucking stuck on the other side of the Mississippi with your family. What would you fucking do? So, we were flipping out, seriously. Luckily, the captain and his, one of his, I guess his first mate, I don't know, a woman, they graciously gave us a ride back to the French Quarter across the Mississippi. And what was really funny is that the captain's car was like, I have to ask Robert what it was. It's like a Dodge Charger. Had no back seat. <laughs> so y'all were sitting like in the truck? So, <laughs> are there pictures of it? I think I was in the... I, I can't remember. I think I was in there with Cheyenne on my lap. I don't remember, but it was it was craziness. So that's... We always talk of the ferry of no return. And that was our, our trip over to Gretna. And, oh, yeah. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Okay. Anyway, back to the Axemen of New Orleans. Sorry, that was a little story time. Um, so, yes, Charles Cortemiglia, his wife Rosie, and a two-year-old daughter Mary. Um, when screams were heard coming from their residence in the early morning hours, the um, a neighboring grocer by the name of Lorlando Giordano. Wait, Lorlando? Lorlando. Lorlando. Maybe it's more like Lolando. I'm going to say, maybe if it's Italian. Like Lolando Giordano. <laughs> Alejandro. What's that song? Matisse. Alejandro. So, Alejandro. Yeah. Lolando Giordano. He rushed across the street to investigate. There he found that the three had been attacked. Rosie had awakened to find her husband struggling with a large man wielding an axe. When her husband fell to the floor, the assailant turned on her as she held her baby daughter and begged for their lives. Undaunted, the killer slammed the axe down on both the mother and the daughter. Um, when the neighbor arrived, Charles lay in a pool of blood on the floor as Rosie store stood in the doorway with a serious head wound, clutching her um, baby daughter who had died. Aww. So the, the little two-year-old uh, was killed. Undaunted, um, nope, sorry, I read that part. Uh, the couple was rushed to the hospital where both were treated for skull fractures. Charles was released two days later while his wife remained in the care of doctors. Upon gaining full consciousness, Rosie stated that the attack was made by the neighboring grocer, Lorlando Giordano, and his 18-year-old son, Frank. Mm. Although Lorlando, a 69-year-old man, was in too poor of health to have committed the crimes, and Frank was too big to have fit through the panel in the back door, the pair were arrested. Charles, even though they didn't do it, they arrested. Even though they didn't do it, because Rosie said they did it, but maybe it's because she was attacked and in like just in this hysteric state. Yeah. Her yeah. daughter had died, and that's who she saw come in to help her. So maybe that you know transferred onto her thinking that he 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 did it. Um, so Charles did deny his wife's claims that the Giordanos were uh, did it, but they were charged with murder. And they would later be found guilty. Frank was sentenced to hang and his father to life in prison. After the trial, Charles divorced his wife. And about a year later, Rosie reversed her claim, stating that she had falsely accused the two out of jealousy and spite. When her claim being the only evidence against the Giordanos, they were released from jail shortly thereafter. So luckily, the sentence to die by hanging wasn't carried out. 
before she fucking confessed that she lied. I don't know what it is about people lying like that. Like, you know... Like, how could you be okay with that? You know very well they didn't do it. And just because you're jealous or you are you don't like them or they're a competitor, you're going to... Whatever. There's only one person in this world that I would do that to. Yeah. And it's KG, or I her think initials. I, yeah. She's the only person I would... Yeah. I probably would help you with that. So, following the Cortemiglia murders, New Orleans was again filled with terror because, you know, things had calmed down for a little bit. Everyone thought it was all better. And once again, they began to arm themselves. Second Amendment. The police stated that they believed (laughs) all of the crimes to have been committed by the same man, who they described as a bloodthirsty maniac filled with a passion for human slaughter. 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 Then a new twist came upon the scene when the Times-Picayune newspaper received a taunting letter on March 14, 1919. Hmm. So here's the letter. I'm going to read it as it is written. You got to remember, this is written in a time that um, they use different words than we used right. in. Um, this person was probably not very literate. So it was at the top of the letter, it was addressed from Hottest Hell. And he dated it March 13th, 1990. Hottest Hell. Hottest Hell, yeah. March 13th, 1990. That's my new pinup name. Hottest Hell. Hottest Hell. Hottest Hell. <laughs> Um, it was addressed to the esteemed mortal of New Orleans. No. Yeah, esteemed mortal of New Orleans from the Axeman. So he said, They have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleans and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know who they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Josef. I have no idea who Francis Josef is. I don't know. Somebody knows. You guys got to tell us. But tell them to beware. Sorry, so his satanic majesty. Hail Satan. Sorry. <laughs> Let them. <laughs> That's not in the letter. I made that up just now. Um, But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise, and they know how to keep away from all harm. So then he um, says, Undoubtedly, you Orleans think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens. It's really the reaching. Thousands. Thousands, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time on next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, 
and I swear by all of the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time that I have mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well then, so much better for you people. One thing is for certain, that is that your people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. Now he's getting into like old English. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that hath ever existed, either in fact or realm of fantasy. Dun, dun, dun. Signed, the Axeman. So, of course... Because he said that no one listening to jazz on March 19th would get the axe, the music flowed from the homes across the city. Every dance hall, every uh, bar, it was filled to capacity. Professional amateur bands played jazz at parties at hundreds of houses around town, and no one was killed. They say if you walked down the street, you, you could you hear, hear jazz everywhere you were in the, in the city at that time. Which is what I think about when I think about New Orleans is all the jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but can you imagine it coming from every house? That'd be annoying. Yeah, because it would be like a cacophony, because it would be all different jazz. It'd be I different. don't know what that word means, but okay. It's <laughs> a good word, isn't it? I'm into good words tonight. So, as he promised, no one was killed that night, but that was just that one night. He, And I, to me, that's like his ultimate control. Like yeah, well that's what he wanted he to do. Got everybody to do what he wanted that night, like their little his little puppets to do exactly what he wanted. Because he still killed more people. Just on that night, he didn't kill anybody. Well, so for several weeks it was quiet. People, but people still lived in fear. So on August tenth, nineteen nineteen, another grocer named Steve Boca was attacked in his bedroom as he slept. He awoke during the night to find a dark figure looming over his bed. Suffering from a blow from the axe, he did survive, and when he regained consciousness, he ran to the home of his neighbor, Frank Janessa, where he lost consciousness and collapsed. Hmm. He was then treated for his injuries, but was unable to remember the details of the attack. Like the others who had been attacked, nothing was taken from his home, and a panel on the back door of the home had been chiseled away. There, so many of these people did not die. He wasn't a very good axe man. I mean, you got one job. He had one job, he Mr. Axe He didn't do very good at it. Hmm. So then on September 2nd, a local druggist named William Carson escaped the Axeman when he fired several shots at an intruder who had broken into his home. The killer left a broken door and an axe behind. The next night on September 3rd, a young girl named Sarah Lawman was attacked with an axe while she slept in her locked and shuttered home. When neighbors came to check on her, who lived alone, they discovered her lying unconscious on her bed, suffering from a severe head injury and missing several teeth. Mm. Though she suffered from a brain concussion, she did recover, and a bloody axe was discovered on the lawn, um, in the front lawn. Once again, New Orleans was in a state of hysteria, but nothing more could be, was heard, I'm sorry, nothing more would be heard from the axeman for nearly two months. The last attack came on October 27, 1919, when grocer Mike Pepitone was slain. That night, his wife heard a noise and arrived at the door of the bedroom just as a large, axe-wielding man was fleeing the scene. Pepitone had been struck in the head and was covered in his own blood. His murder 
his murder left his wife and six children behind. So all he would do is just go in and like just hit him. Hit him? He would whack him. And that would... <laughs> Carol Baskin whacked. Carol Baskin whacked him. So he would whack him and, and then like leave. leave. Yeah, because like... he didn't even do that good of a job. That's what I'm saying. He, so he wasn't like a sexual sadist. He wasn't... Nope. Nope. Just... And it's not even like he really... I would think that if he really wanted to kill them, he would have done better at attacking them because maybe it was know. maybe it was broken like my axe was broken last night <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it um, that okay i thought so, so he unfortunately when mr pepitone died he left behind his wife and his six children uh mrs six pepitone fucking children mm-hmm. jesus christ unfortunately she was unable to describe any characteristics of the killer and uh, the usual cl- clues had been left behind an axe broken in door mm. but um nothing else was stolen no robbery anything like that so the authorities did continue to work on the case but it would be in vain pepitone's murder was the last known of the axeman killer he was never seen or heard from in new orleans again huh so there was some different theories on who the the murderer was so nobody they never caught the murderer so it's like in like a cold case Mm-hmm. It is. It was absolutely a cold case. Oh. They think that some there was some other murders that occurred around that same time frame. Like I said, like the no Clementine Barnabet was one, um, and then other that they think might have been the same guy, but they never caught him specifically. So there was a crime writer named Colin Wilson, and he speculated that the axeman could have been a man named Joseph Monfre, mm-hmm. a man who was actually shot to death in Los Angeles in December 1920 by the widow of Mike Pepitone. So Pepitone was that last guy that was killed. Right. And so his widow shot this man, Joseph Monfre, to death. This is what the crime writer Colin Wilson says. His theory has been widely repeated in other true crime books and websites, but um, another true crime writer named Michael Newton, he searched New Orleans and Los Angeles's uh, public police and court records as well as newspaper archives and could not find any evidence of a man with the name Joseph Momfer at all oh, wow. or even a similar name having been assaulted or killed in Los Angeles. So, um, uh, Newton, that... Uh, that other crime writer, Michael Newton, was also not able to find any information that Mrs. Pepitone, who was identified in some sources as Esther Albano, um, was that she was arrested or tried or convicted for such a crime, and even if she had been in California. So Newton notes that Momfra was not an unusual surname in New Orleans at the time of the crimes. It appears that there actually may have been an individual named Joseph Monfort Hmm. in New Orleans who had a criminal history and who may have been connected with organized crime, but local records for the period are not extensive enough to allow confirmation of this. you got to figure it's not like it is now with Google and everything online. You can find everything online. Um, So that... There wasn't enough information to positively identify that individual. Wilson's explanation is an urban legend. Uh, there's no more evidence now on the identity of the killer other um, than there was at the time of the crime. So okay. that this was a crime writer who kind of theorized that it might have been this man, this Joseph Monfer. This is a theory then. Yeah, but then another crime writer couldn't find any evidence that, you know, to substantiate that theory. So That's crazy. Yeah. So, so it's just a cold case. Nobody knows anything. Mm-mm. 
So there was one other thing. Two of the alleged early victims of the accident was an Italian couple named Chiambra. They were shot by an intruder in the lower Ninth Ward home in the early morning mm-hmm. hours of May 16, 1912. So this is about six years prior to okay. whenever these attacks were happening in New Orleans. Um, the gentleman survived while his wife died. And in newspaper accounts, the prime suspect is referred to by the name of Monfre more than once. So... While radically different than the Axman's usual mode of modus operandi, which was, you know, using an axe later right. on in 1918 and 19, if Joseph Monfer was indeed the Axman, then the Chiambras were, may have well been like his earliest victims of right. a future serial killer. Which, you know, oftentimes they... They do pick a certain type of weapon to use, but it doesn't mean yeah. yeah, but it doesn't mean that's the only thing that they would use if if they don't have that available to them, or maybe especially because he didn't carry the axe or anything around with him, like you were saying, like they would just get whatever. That's why he killed one man with a razor blade, right? So maybe that first um, couple, the axe just happened to be there, and that just kind of struck his fancy, as that's what he liked to use. Yeah, and it was easier because it was sharp, and it was just easier to kill them with, right? To whack him. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all I have on the Axemen of New Orleans. Alrighty it did then. terrorize the city for about a year. Um, there's been a lot of fictionalization about him, like I said before, American Horror Story Coven. Um, I, I brought now him that you mentioned it, I remember him as yeah. the character in the show. And he played the saxophone saxophone in the show. That's but what he played. There's yeah. nothing um, substantiating that. In history, it's just they they decided to bring him in because it was kind of a cool adding to the story. Interesting. 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 Mm-hmm. I finished coloring my picture. That's very seventies porn. Oh my god! Bound. Why does he have gray hair? Because he has gray blackish hair on the picture. Oh, you looked him up? Uh huh. I guess I should do that, huh? <laughs> it's he is the the dating, dating game, game killer. killer. We should do him. You should do him. What's his name? Rodney? Rodney Alcala. Alcala. Hmm. Probably didn't kill kids, so I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you <laughs> Sorry, it's do not funny. Killers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so Mel and I have decided we're actually going to change up our format a little bit also. Yes. We are going to, we're each going to still do a serial killer story because we both enjoy that quite a bit. But we find that I tend to enjoy the paranormal stories a little bit more. And it's not really her thing. No. And um, I like the gore and stuff. I just don't like the paranormal spooky shit. So we're going to split it up to where we each do a serial killer. And Mel will do uh, the true crime stories. And I will focus on a serial killer and the paranormal stories. Yes. Um, so, and of course, we'll always intro with our usual shenanigans and bullshit. Yes. We can't believe our shenanigans. Our shenanigans. Shenanigans. Yes. That's I cannot the... wait for New Orleans. It's going to be so <gasps> fun. I'm so excited. I'm just ready to get away. Like, we haven't had a trip in 30 plus years. So, like, band camp. We went to Houston. Remember Astro World? Remember that? <laughs> Good times, man. Houston. Like, we went to Houston and went to San Antonio, but it wasn't the same. Like, it just wasn't the same. Mm-mm. So, yeah, it's going to be good times. Yeah. Um, so, you guys make sure you tune in next week on October 2nd. Right? Yes. Yeah, October 2nd. Because we're actually going to be recording October 1st. 
as we walk around uh, the French Quarter and go visit each of these haunted hotels and tell yes. the story about them. And um, then it will release on October 2nd, Friday morning. So you guys stay tuned for that. And then we'll also do some special things throughout our trip there. We'll do some other little recordings. We will go live on all the various platforms, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Patreon, all that stuff. Patreon, all that shit. Yes. So that... Um, Yes. Everyone can get their, their fill of us. We'll do a bunch more stuff for you guys that are on our Patreon, that are patrons on Patreon. You guys are going to miss out if you are not a patron on Patreon. You have plenty of time when this episode we're recording tonight, Tuesday night. It's going to record a release Friday. So get from this Friday coming up till the next Friday to join mm-hmm. our Patreon so you guys, aren't, you guys aren't missing some really cool stuff. And we have some badass stuff planned. So. Yep. Yep. Wait, Belle has bad us up <laughs> I'm so long for the fun times and the ride. <laughs> Belle's going to be drunk the whole time. <laughs> no, not really. Maybe. So, maybe. <laughs> do you have a, do you need to do a normal spiel? You can everybody? find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> at Gotham Bougie Podcast. And then you please go be a patron on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Gotham Bougie Podcast. You guys are missing out. And y'all don't understand, like, we don't make money off the podcast. The money that we're going to New Orleans with is the money that our patrons have donated. Um, it's going to help cover some of the hotel costs, but it's not even covering all of that. Like, we are still having to get stuff out of our pocket. And we do this for free. So, we want to be able to bring the best show to you guys. And I don't even care about equipment anymore. I feel like the show's going out and doing stuff like we're doing like for New Orleans. Yeah, so much I would rather because... do stuff like that to add to the, the content. Yeah. the equipment, I mean, this records just fine for yes. us. Yes, so on the other podcasts, like their equipment, like when you listen to it, it's horrible. What's it's the difference? So Except it looks cool. I mean, it looks cool to have it this It looks cool, but like, it sounds horrible. Like, it's so muffled. Like, when you get back and you listen to it, it's so muffled. And it just may be because... Brandon's still learning how to use it. I don't know, but it's we've had it for 10 episodes. He should know it now. Anyways, so, yeah, that's about it, I think. Right? That's it. Yeah, stay tuned next week. We'll, um, you can find me on TikTok. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> and you can find both of us on our personal Instagrams. Yes. Mel is Mel Titsworth, and I am hells.bell.666. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That's all. Y'all come back now, you hear?